Hello, you're listening to the Life Worship Center podcast with Pastor Helene Robinson. Thank you for joining us today. We hope you enjoyed this message. Those of you that have your Bibles, turn with me to Mark chapter 6. Mark chapter 6. Hallelujah. Mark chapter 6. And I want to read from the Phillips New Testament translation. Phillips. And um, in my study over the past several weeks, because in Bible study, Elder Thompson has been doing an amazing job in Bible study. But he has been encouraging us to read scriptures from various translations. Now, the King James is our foundation. Yeah? But one of the things you can do to get a better understanding and an easier read is to look at the scripture in various translations. And one that has been blessing me so recently here is the Phillips translation. So I want to read Mark 6 from that translation. It is closely aligned to the King James, but just worded a little differently. But before I begin reading, I want to tell you the title for today. So as you're reading, you can see where I'm trying to go. The title is, What Do We Do When Others Don't Respect What God Is Doing In You? What do you do when others don't respect what God is doing in you? I didn't say they don't recognize it. There's a difference. Some people can recognize there's something different about you, but they still doesn't mean they're going to respect it. I can recognize there's something a little odd, and I can recognize that the Lord may be using you in these last and evil days. But do I respect what God is doing in your life? Now, I will tell you, sometimes it's hard now. It's hard for others to respect you if you're not living aligned with the word. Yeah? That's why you can be talented as you want to be. You can even be anointed from the Lord to do such a task. Mm-hmm. See, every singer is not necessarily operating in what God has said. They have the gift to sing, yes? yes. Uh-huh. So if I'm called of God and if I'm anointed of God, I have to live a life that commands that respect. You hear in the world, respect is not something that's given, it's earned. Yes. It's the same thing in the kingdom. Just because you're a child of God doesn't mean people are going to respect you as such. I have to live in the manner that honors God, which garners that respect without even asking. This is where we are in the last days. We throw out that we are believers way ahead of our actions. Yeah. It's like I I hear that that person is a believer. Then as we get closer and closer to knowing this person or intimately becoming in relationship with with this person, we find out, well, what I see now doesn't line up with what I heard. It should be that when the world hears we are believers, that as they get closer to us, 
and watch us in life circumstances and situations that what they heard lines up with what they see. But what do you do when others don't respect what God is doing in your life? Oh. See, we get angry sometimes, we're gonna fight. <coughs> yes, you will, I, do. I just want to know what do you do? when others don't respect. It's like you're always trying to live up to something like prove to them what God said. How many of you know you, know, you don't have to prove what God said? Amen. Right. No. Take the attitude that you just wait and see and watch God do the proving. Well, let's see what the book says. So Mark chapter six, and I want to start at verse one, reading from the Phillips translation. It says, then he left that district came into his own native town, followed by his disciples. Jesus was going back home to his own people, going back to where he grew up, his own native town. And when the Sabbath day came, he began to teach in the synagogue. Uh -huh. So he's back in his hometown, preaching in the synagogue. And that's already a, a, a recipe for some problems. Because if I go back home to my hometown, usually I'm asking for problems anyway. <laughs> I don't know about y'all, but usually you're asking for problems. The other day, and this will tie in, but it's like a sidebar. I was in my office, Ms. Blubber, and our security officer called me to the front. He said, Ms. Robinson, can you come around to the front? There is a young lady that grew up with you. And I said, now Jesus, when I turn this corner, <laughs> please let it be a good memory. <laughs> because Helene was not a bad person. But Helene would fight a lot, you know what I'm saying? I mean, <laughs> so I said, well, and then when Coach was talking to me on the phone, he gave no name, no reference, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So, I get up to step, and I literally prayed to Jesus when I turned the corner. Now, Lord, if it wasn't a bad moment, because that was me too, give me a chance to share the blood of Jesus and tell her life was different now. Just, you know what I'm saying? Give a girl a chance to make it right. Come on. Well, that was okay. So I get around the corner, and there's some diff distance between that corner and where he's sitting. So I really still couldn't make out who this young lady was. So as I'm getting closer, I said, now, Lord, you heard me, right? So I'm walking, trying to see, can I get a glimpse of her? Then when I recognized who she was, I said, yeah, this is a good one. I said, I'm walking back. And we had good times. That was a good one. And she and I were so close that when we grew up, our homes were right next to each other. And we had an alley between our houses no larger than this podium. And there were times she would say, Helene, and we could raise the window and toss things back and forth and talk to each other from house to house. My mom said, put the window down, you and Tisha, go to sleep. We would do it all night long. So it was a good memory. But when you go back home, anywhere, it's always a time where you're coming up against what you used to be. And unless you've been perfect since the womb, they don't need to raise no hand, I ain't gonna ask you. Unless you've been perfect since the womb, it's always iffy now when you're going back home. I don't care who you are, everybody but Jesus now, but all of us, 
the fallen ones with a whole lot of issues, is always iffy when you're going back home. Yeah. So Jesus left a certain area and he went back home. His, his disciples went with him. And then it was the Sabbath and they find Jesus teaching and preaching in his hometown. Now, I dare not say, even some people I grew up with now, if they walked in here now and found me doing what I'm doing, they know who they are. They may sit a little closer and want to talk to me when it's over. But it says the congregation, I'm reading from the Phillips translation, was astonished and remarked. So when they, they saw Jesus in the synagogue, they saw him preaching. The congregation was astonished and remarked, where does he get all this? Where is he getting this teaching from? What is this wisdom that he has been given? And what about these marvelous things that he can do? Jesus is back home, the people that knew him and his family well. And he's preaching, and then he has to be preaching something that captivates people's attention. He happens to be living a life and has a reputation of doing marvelous and miraculous things. He's saying things with God wisdom that no one else has heard. There's nothing like going home and saying something or doing something that's never been done. If I go home and I'm quiet and I just visit mama and them and sneak back out of town, no big deal. Jesus goes home preaching in the synagogue, saying things they've never heard to the point of astonishment. And then he has a reputation. He has performed miracles and doing miraculous things. So now how are these people immediately going to receive him? I wonder what they're thinking. Wonder what people are thinking when they finally see the new you after you've been saved a little bit. What are they really thinking? Their first response, he's only the carpenter, Mary's son. What did that have to do with the astonishing, miraculous things that he was doing? What did that have to do with the history of the miracles and things that they've heard? The first thing people attempt to do when they don't respect the Jesus in you is to bring you down to their level. Instead of celebrating what we've heard of Jesus, a hometown hero. You know somebody make it big, you went to school with, in the NBA, the NFL? After you try to get some tickets, some free ones, you know, you kind of proud of you. You like to tell people, I went to school with him. I know him or her, a hometown hero. Jesus comes back. He is like a hometown hero. And the first thing they can say to him, instead of being happy that Jesus is back, and I remember him when, they attempt to bring him down to their level. Oh, he's just the carpenter's Mary son brother of James and Joaz and Judas and Simon, and his sisters are living here with us. His family still here, lives here, down the street two blocks over, his people still live here, ain't not too much there. And they were deeply, watch this, I don't understand, they were deeply offended with him. Please don't think they're going to treat you any different just because you know Jesus. 
I used to think that when the hand of the Lord was on your life and you knew it, you didn't necessarily, I'm not saying you didn't like it. Because everybody that God has given an assignment is not running first in line saying, yes, I want to do that. But once you recognize this is what God is saying, do in this season, and you yield and say, yes, Lord, I'll do it. I used to think if I got over the biggest hurdle of just obeying, things would be nice. I figured I would be my biggest problem, not other people. They would just get on board and help me get to where God says go. I thought if I get out of the way and submit to what God is saying, doing, the rest of it is cake, because he gonna send me help, Sister Francis, from the north, south, east, west. You ain't gotta worry about that. Lord, but all I was totally wrong. The Bible says, oh, he's just the carpenter, Mary's son. His people still live around here. The Bible says that they were deeply offended with him. Not happy, not proud of him. They were offended with him. The Bible says, but Jesus said to them, no prophet goes unhonored except in his native town or with his own relations or in his own home. In my familiar, with those most closest to me, I'm going to experience quite a bit of disrespect. Okay, so I need y'all, I didn't say they didn't love you. Because I used to think they didn't love you. So when I went to swing and fight, I felt they deserved it. <laughs> go where them go. He said, no, 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 no. It's not that they don't love you. They don't respect the Jesus in you. They don't respect what Jesus is doing in you. The Lord had to help me even more as I was studying. How can they respect that which they do not know? i give you a good example. When Helena and little Michael, little Michael had, we had a Ford Explorer. What's it next for? Mike's favorite car. And we got this explorer. Matter of fact, the kids were very upset when we had to trade it in because he died. <laughs> but we had a Ford Explorer. Nice car. Nice little Jeep. We traveled back and forth to New York. But my children, being that little, didn't respect what that automobile was, my children. They didn't respect it. Cookies are all in the seats this year. Juice all over the back. <laughs> When you clean it, you gotta take the little car seat out and you find stuff growing in it. <laughs> you, you, you find little Mike's shoe, you find Lena's little half, or Lord help us to, you gotta really get under there to clean. They didn't care that it was valuable to us. They didn't care that every month you pay for this huge, you know, they don't care nothing about that. There was no respect for what that automobile was. You know why? Because there was no recognition at this age as to how valuable it was. How can they respect something that they don't understand is value? 
Jesus says, how can they respect the Jesus in you when they are not in relationship with him? Okay. Now, some years fast forward now, they are a lot older. Lena understands the value of putting gas in a tank, you know, that little liquid stuff that you got to pay for to keep your car moving. So yes, you must work, praise <laughs> God, to keep gas in whose car? Your car. There's a greater appreciation there. You know why? Because there's a greater investment in it. What do you do when people don't respect the Jesus in you? The first thing you have to do is recognize if they don't know him, they can't respect him. Mm -hmm. They may not curse around you. They may not say mean and hateful things around you because they're scared something's going to happen to you. <laughs> but they really can't fully jump on board with you because they can't respect the Jesus in you. All right, let's keep it says no prophet goes unhonored except in his native town or with his own relations or in his own town. Verse five, and he could do because they could not respect that he was in their midst. He, to them, he was just the carpenter, Mary's son, and his brothers and sisters, hometown little fella. I remembered him knee high to a grasshopper because they could not recognize who he was. Listen to what was so horrible about this. And he could do nothing miraculous there. How can Jesus be, this is one of the few times in scriptures where Jesus is in the midst of some people and could do no miracles. And he could do nothing miraculous there apart from laying on hands. Listen to this, on a few sick people. Because you don't recognize the Jesus that was in your midst. He couldn't do half of what he wanted to do. If Jesus were to ease in here now, all of us would be clamoring and fighting to get to him. Yeah, we jumping over top of people. I'm gonna push you down in love. I'm gonna push you. I'm gonna push you down. I'm gonna trip you in love. I'm telling you to get to Jesus. But because they could not recognize Jesus for who he was, and they kept him on the level of like them, human and what he was, not who he was, he could not do but a few miraculous things laying hands on a few sick people and healing them. Their lack of faith astonished him. The King James, I want to read that part from the King James. It says, and there, verse five, there he could there do no mighty work save that he laid his hands upon a few sick folk and healed them. And the King James, verse six says, he marveled because of their unbelief. And he went round about the villagers teaching. He marveled. The Philip says he was astonished at their lack of faith. The healer, the deliverer, was right amongst them, but they could not get past what they heard about him in the natural to receive from him at all. So guess what? We are in for a fight when those come against or disrespect the Jesus in us. Don't let that sway you one bit. 
Jesus couldn't get them to respect him so he couldn't do but a little bit. So now what do I do as a believer after this happens? Do I question whether the Lord called me at all? Yeah, 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 yeah. Do I get angry at those people that don't respect what Jesus is doing in my life? Do I go word for word with them and try to convince them that yes, Jesus is actually doing this? Do I just stop doing what he said? Or whether do I question whether or not God should I be doing it? What did Jesus do after he could only heal a few people? Did he go to God in prayer and say, am I in the right place? Did he say, boy, I'm over this these bad people? Did he strike anybody? Because <laughs> I was looking for that. So let's look at, let's keep reading. He was astonished at their lack of faith. Then it says, then he made his way round the villages, reading from the Phillips, continuing his teaching. Jesus didn't miss a beat. If you don't want to receive it, I don't have to give it to you. Jesus didn't question whether I'm in the right place. He didn't stop and say, maybe I should go to the Father and see if I'm supposed to be doing it. Jesus said, I'm going to go to those, and those few that want something from me, I get it from me. He says, then he made his way around the villages, continuing his teaching. He summoned the 12, and he began to send them out in twos, giving them power over evil spirits. And he instructed them to take nothing for their road except a staff, and no satchel, no bread, and no money in their pockets. Jesus went on with what he was commissioned to do. I don't care if people respect what God has called you to do, just do. You don't need anybody else to agree with you except Jesus and what he said do. Go to Ephesians 6 and 10. Ephesians 6 and 10. And then I promise you, I told you I'm going to be before you long. Let me read a few scriptures and see. Sometimes you're going to have to encourage yourself in the Lord to stay in the fight. There are times nobody may seem to be agreeing with you about what God is saying do. All you need is Jesus to agree, and you're in. Ephesians 6 and 10 says, Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength or the power of his might. I can't look for others to give me my strength and affirmation. Because if that be the case, I'm only going to keep moving as long as others agree. Ephesians says, be strong in the Lord. Not in my money, not in who I know, not in my own strength. If you stay strong in the Lord, all you need is the Lord. Go to 2 Corinthians 12. We're going to run through a few scriptures. This is what we're going to need when we feel like giving up. Now, I didn't say if you feel. It's just when, because it's, it's going to happen. It's going to cause you to say, God, I don't know. I, I don't know. This is not turning out, and this is not working for me. I can't get an amen for no. You know how the preachers ask, can I get an amen? Sometimes they really need one. They're like, I ain't getting one. I ain't getting one. <laughs> and then they make the audience give you one. Can I get an amen? Somebody give them one. <laughs> Somebody give them one. But what happens when I can't get an amen for nobody but me? You just say amen. Mm. 
If I had to give my own self an amen step, amen me, tell him amen like you, we just say, because he can't get nothing but good Second Corinthians 12, starting at verse 9. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. Listen, now don't act like even when nobody is agreeing but me. Listen, even during this season, by grace now, because there's only a season. He's not going to leave you out there by yourself. Jesus did not experience this horrible situation every time he went out to minister, just when he got home with his kinfolk, okay? But he says, my grace is sufficient for you. For my power, watch this, is made perfect in weakness. If you keep pressing when nobody agrees, guess what's happening to you? You're growing stronger in the Lord all the time. Therefore, I will boast in all the more gladly of my weaknesses, so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. For the sake of Christ, then am I content with weakness, insults, hardships, persecutions, and calamities. For when I am weak, then am I strong. The reason Jesus didn't lose any sleep over their response, he says, because even at my weakest hour, my father is still with me. Even when I'm down, he says, when I'm weak, surely enough, when the only one that can agree with Jesus is me, puts my God in a situation to work a miracle. He says, Helene, ain't nobody but you and me hanging out here. Let me show myself strong in the body. Because you won't have nobody but me. Glory to God, I sure don't. <laughs> show them what you're made of, Lord. Put them to shame. I ain't going to say that. Watch Jesus shut your mouth. Watch, watch it. He says, because when I am weak, the Bible says, he says, then, meaning he, then is he made strong. And sometimes the Lord has it when nobody is agreeing with you but him. He says, such that I can get all the glory. See, we have to stop looking for people when God says, I don't want them there anyway. Stop looking for help when God says, I'm going to be your help. And I know sometimes you say, God, well, can a sister get a sister to hang out with her? Can I get two, three to agree? He says, no, this time it's just you and me. Come on, let's get this thing done. We have to stop thinking that God needs something that he said, I don't need. Yeah, Joshua 1 and 9, come on. If you got to write it down, because see, when you read these over the course of the week, you, it, it'll get in your spirit. If I have Jesus, I got enough. Don't stop doing what Jesus just said, do just because it's you and him, you got enough. Joshua 1 and 9, it says, have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. That also implies I don't have to be strong and courageous when I got tons of people hanging around with me and I got all this backup. What you have to be strong and courageous about? You got all these people, like when you're hanging out in a little group or a little mob. Ain't no big deal. You got 10, 12 when you're big, almost behind you. You ain't got to be strong and courageous, so you talking smack. Because you know, man, I grew up doing that. My uncles, they ran the neighborhood. I was the baddest little girl out there because they knew them. Cross the line, Trish, and go in the wrong neighborhood. I ain't talking to nobody. I'm going home. My bad, my bad. <laughs> Went too far. Herman, Herman, not here. My bad. But when I knew they were around, yo, mama, what you say? I'll be going at them. 
I'm still a little teeny something. You know why? Because there was a mob with me. I knew they were leaving me alone because of who I was related to. He says, Joshua says, who are you related to? Listen to me. I have commanded you be strong and courageous. You're not in this by yourself. Do not be frightened. If it's just you and Jesus, you got enough. And do not be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you. Joshua says, wherever you go. I don't need anybody else to go with me but Jesus. If he goes, I'm going. I don't need all these people to go with me and Jesus is not there. Jesus not there. All of y'all go. I'm saying. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Go to Isaiah 48, 29, and we're going to stop. Uh, oh, thank you, Jesus. Isaiah 48, 29. I'm going to be honest with you. We got scriptures we're going to stand on. We have the word of God that's true and right. I'm going to tell you, sometimes you do get a little faint, but don't you give up. Mm. Don't you give up. I don't care if you have to regroup. <clears throat> trying to look at my calendar at work now, praise Jesus. <laughs> Find out which day, Sister Francis, I ain't going near the building. Because I, I don't care. I'll get to you when I get back because I'm going to stay home. Glory to God. And I'm going to regroup. I'm going to sleep right through the morning announcements. I'm going to sleep right through lunchtime. Which I'm going to be home. I'm not even coming this way. I don't even want to know what's happening inside the city. <laughs> but every now and then, you got to step back from it and regroup. Isaiah 40, 29 says, he gives power to the faint now. Listen. It's okay, it's okay that you're not feeling a, a hundred every day. He ain't asked you to feel a hundred every day. Amen. He, he knows you ain't walking on water every day. He knows you ain't running over through, leaping over troops and run. He knows that. He says, hold up though. He gives power to the thing. And to him who has no might, he increases. I got some strength there. He said you don't have a whole lot of might, but he increases my strength. So I tell you, when you can't get anyone else to agree with you, you can't get people to respect the Jesus in you, just hanging there with Jesus all by yourself. Amen, everybody. Thanks for listening to the Life Worship Center podcast with Pastor Helene Robinson. If you're interested in joining us on Sundays, our services are held at the Clarence Cuffey Community Center at 2019 Windy Road, Chesapeake, Virginia, 23324. Our Sunday morning service is held at 1 p.m. and our Bible studies are held on Thursdays at 7 p.m. Join us and be blessed and remember, there's life in the word.